goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome, my friends, to the December 7th edition of Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour here. On WABC Talk Radio 77, if you would like to be part of today's program, 800-848-WABC is the number to reach us, 800-848-9222. Andrew Giuliani will be here as per every week on Thursday. I'm looking forward to it. Um, what we're going to do with Andrew uh, today, the conversation will... Uh, focus on some of Donald Trump's legal issues. There have been some movement in some of that. And so we'll, we'll have that discussion with Andrew about where Donald Trump is. He was in New York, um, dealing with this whole nonsense trial that's going on here. But we'll, we'll, we'll catch up to speed on that when Andrew comes along. Uh, there is a story today. You can find it at the Daily BS. New York City Mayor Eric Adams approval rating drops to the lowest in recorded history. New York City Mayor Eric Adams approval rating. Yeah, in the tank. Has faced a barrage of negative news coverage amid a federal campaign finance investigation into his 2021 campaign, a sexual assault lawsuit against him, criticism of his handling of the influx of illegal alien migrants into New York City from other states and from other countries, I might add. His approval rating is now at 28%. 28%. The lowest rate since uh, Quinnipiac University began polling in 1996. Mary Snow, Quinnipiac University's assistant poll director, issued a statement, there's no good news for Mayor Adams in this poll. Not only are voters giving him poor grades on the job he's doing, at City Hall, their views on his character have dimmed. As the city faces across-the-board budget cuts while dealing with the migrant crisis, headlines about a federal investigation into the mayor's 2021 campaign and an accusation of sexual assault leveled against him from 30 years ago are taking a toll. Let me just say, I am... skeptical about the sexual assault allegations. And as we we don't know this woman's name, I don't believe, and or anything about her. And, you know, 30 years ago, mm, I don't know. I'm not saying anything didn't happen. Don't know. December 7th, of course, a day that will live in infamy. There is a big story today at Fox News about the Japanese pilot who led the Pearl Harbor attacks, who later learned lessons of love, faith, and forgiveness after the war. He got called to tell the good news of Jesus Christ, says Wounded Tiger author. Wounded Tiger, it's a book, tells the story of Mitsuo, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, Mitsuo Fukita, the Japanese pilot who led the attack on Pearl Harbor, then converted to Christianity. So it is an interesting article. It runs 10 printed pages. 
if you want to check it out today at Fox News, Fox News Digital, the digital version, foxnews.com. Uh, aside from Mayor Adams' history, there are some other news concerning New York politicians. Uh, the House of Representatives has voted to censure Representative Jamal Bowman for his fire alarm stunt. And, of course, he's out portraying this as some, he's playing the victim, the, 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 the Republicans, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that, instead of just owning up to what he did. Uh, New York Democrat Representative Dan Goldman, who is an heir to the Levi Strauss and Company fortune, is one of the wealthiest members of Congress. This is the guy that a few weeks back called for Donald Trump to be assassinated, to be taken out. Of course, that kind of talk is permissible if you're a Democrat. You can call for the assassination of a former president if you're a Democrat and just walk away from it. No harm, no foul. Mr. Goldman, 47, and his wife, Corrine Goldman, were named in a two-page summons filed in Manhattan Supreme Court earlier this week, by landlords Jason and Natasha Gilbert. They claim, again, one of the wealthiest members of Congress, heir to the Levi Strauss Company fortune, his wealth pegged upwards of $253 million. His landlady, this landlord, his landlords in Tribeca, I believe, claim that he and his spouse owe $180,000 in back rent on a 3,818-square-foot luxury condo. The Gilberts who own the apartment want him to also shell out $360,000 to cover the rest of the months of his broken lease. They broke the lease, apparently. At least that's what the filing says. I'm sure Mr. Goldman, <clears throat> the wealthy Mr. Goldman, who called for Donald Trump's assassination recently, has something to say about the $45,000 a month rent that he did not pay on an apartment down Collister Street. There's another senator that's, um, his son, let me find this, this is a Republican senator, since we're into politicians at the moment, Senator Kevin Kramer's 42nd-year-old, 42nd-year-old, his 42-year-old son was involved in a police chase Wednesday night. Tragic because it led to an accident. That accident led to the death of a police officer. The North Dakota Highway Patrol said in the press release that the Bismarck Police Department received a report that a stolen vehicle was being driven by Ian Kramer, 42-year-old son of the Republican senator, when police first located him. He fled. 
The vehicle he was driving veered and crashed head-on into a Mercer County Sheriff's Office patrol vehicle that was parked and flashing its emergency lights. The Mercer County deputy was standing behind the patrol vehicle, which pushed into the deputy and killed him. Now, Senator Kramer says that his son has suffered from mental health issues. So, he said, I will take the first flight I can to be with our family as we grieve what has happened. We grieve especially for the family of the hero who tried to help Ian. We pray to our gracious God to show up as he always does in the tragedy. They're asking, he's asking the senator for for, uh, prayers. Asking for prayers, of course, for the lost officer's family and his colleagues who serve us every day, grateful for all they do. He says his son suffers from serious mental disorders that manifest in paranoia and hallucinations. They're also asking God to heal their son. They love him, and they hurt deeply over what has happened. Another member, politician of the squad, this would be Ayanna Presley, has unveiled new legislation. She calls it the Inclusive Democracy Act. That ought to give you a hint as to what's coming. The Inclusive Democracy Act would allow felons in prison, felons who are serving time in prison, criminals, convicted criminals in prison to vote. And so who would they vote for? Of course. we. I have said for years that Democrats, one of their key constituencies are the criminals, the criminal class. This is just more evidence. Ms. Squad member, Ayanna Presley says, that's why we're here today, to introduce the Inclusive Democracy Act, a historic, brand new, first-of-its-kind bill that will end the stain of felony disenfranchisement in America. So laws that say, like, for instance, you murder somebody, you commit some sort of felonious act, clearly a felon, you're convicted, and the law says, "Uh, you know what, you have lost your privilege, your right to vote, because you have, with your egregious criminal behavior that you have been convicted of, demonstrated that you are not worthy of, of the privilege of voting. And so now, Ayanna Presley, member of the squad, our bill is a reflection of bold, progressive, democratic values because Republicans and the Supreme Court stopping at nothing to undermine voting rights to exclude black and brown folks from participating in our democracy. We must be just as relentless and protecting and expanding access to the ballot box, including for incarcerated citizens. So, number one, notice she doesn't say anything about white folks or any other folks that are incarcerated. 
It's black and brown folks. This is black and brown folks are criminals. This is what she's saying, not me. Says black and brown folks are criminals, and the Supreme Court and the Republicans are, are, are trying to disenfranchise them by putting them in jail. We have to protect the voting rights of black and brown criminals. Make sure that we can get the black criminal vote and the brown people criminal vote out in the election. This is what your squad. It's just, it's beyond. By the way, if you would like to comment on any of these stories, we will, I'm going to try to take calls a little bit early so that we have time for calls before Andrew joins us, because Andrew and I are going to talk Trump and Trump's legal issues. But I want, if you want to weigh in on any of these, please feel free. Let me just go through another quick few headlines. Um, and some of these are from yesterday's stacks. I love you, Joe Biden. Illegal immigrants. Illegal immigrant thanks POTUS after invading U.S. This was a... Uh, I love you, Joe Biden. Thank you for everything, Joe Biden. This was one illegal immigrant as he came through yesterday. I love you, Joe Biden. Thanks for not protecting the borders of your country to let me through. Yesterday we talked about, yesterday there was a story about uh, what is happening with Venezuela. Venezuela is claiming sovereignty over a part of Guyana that is oil-rich and rich in all sorts of uh, uh, natural resources. He said he's going to grant state-owned companies operating licenses to go just take the property in neighboring Guyana. Now, today, the United States has announced that we're doing, they're doing some joint military exercise. Guyana cannot defend themselves. This could be another vital flashpoint, folks. And don't be surprised if this thing escalates and the United States has to or feels the need to get involved. And here's something else. We have been flooded with immigrants from Venezuela. What do you suppose happens if we're in a conflict with Venezuela? I'm just axing. Do you suppose some of the people being sent here from Venezuela could be Part of a longer-term strategy. I'm just asking a little ebonic question for you there. I'm just asking. All right. The Republican debates were last night. If you want to comment on those, please feel free. My comment on the debate last night was, is the Republican debate, another one happened last night. But if you, if you want to comment on it, have, have at it. There are apparently going to be two more. CNN will host the Republican presidential uh, primary debates next month in Iowa and New Hampshire. So right before people start voting, who does the RNC and uh, award the debate to CNN? Why not give the enemies of Republican? I mean, to me, Rona McDaniel and the rest of you people at the RNC, why are you half-stepping with this? If you want your candidates to suffer and to lose at the hand of liberals, 
Why didn't you just award the debates to MSNBC and get it over with? Why go with the second best Trump haters? Why go with the second best Republican haters and put it on CNN? Why don't go to the top? Why not just go for excellence? If you want hatred of Republicans and you want to hire the haters of Republicans, the people who never, ever, who spend their entire broadcast careers trying to damage the Republican brand, why would you settle with second best CNN? Why don't you just give the debates to MSNBC? These people at the RNC have the, you know what, remember that remark that Senator Kennedy made about Kamala Harris that had everybody upset on the liberal side? They were, oh, Senator Kennedy, Louisiana, said, hey, when Kamala Harris' IQ gets to 77 or 70, she should sell. Right. When her IQ reaches 70, hey, sell time, sell. I say the same thing to the RNC. When their IQ, when their collective IQ reaches 70, they should sell. Sarah Bareilles, 1979, birthday today. Diego told me up front, I'm playing this first today. I'm playing this, right? My favorite song from that era. You know what Love this reminds me of? Reminds me of the what? first summer in the U.S. Oh. This was big, the first summer in my U.S., so very good memories attached to this song. I love that. And you know why she wrote this, right? Because her uh, her label told her that love songs do better, do better selling. So this is a like passive aggressive. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I didn't know the backstory. That's awesome, Diego. That's really good. All right, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, your calls. Welcome on a hey, wait, whatever, debate, Adams. We have not talked about yet the testimony that these presidents of these universities made in front of Congress that has the White House, the Republicans, the Democrats, everybody upset. We can get to that, too. Coming back with you, 800-848-WABC. We'll be right back. Don't go away. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Rush Hour is on the air. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, yeah, baby. On note, on this day in December 1974, 
Barry White was grooving with you, my baby. Had a song just for you. How lovely, how wonderful you are. You're my first. You're the last. You're my everything. Number one, 1974, the maestro, Barry White. Let's head to the telephones. Tom in uh, Staten Island. How are you, Tom? Welcome. You're on WABC. Uh, Rush, you know, uh, James, you're doing a great job. And I just want to say that um, Chris Christie, uh, he's just a big bully. I was in New Jersey when he destroyed the state, and and Murphy's doing a terrible job too. And the bottom line is, you know, this is eighty two years, eighty two years since in Pearl Harbor, and uh, Barack and uh, this other jerk, they cut our navy down on both sides. We can't fight the East Coast and the West Coast protected at the same time. We're more vulnerable than we are than December seventh, sixth, nineteen forty one. And then we're letting all these people in in Staten Island. They want to put them on Fort Wadsworth, able-bodied men. We don't know who they are. And our oldest military base. It's crazy. And by the way, that I found out that story about that guy and that helped the veteran and his dog. It's pauseofwar.org. Let's support them. They save American veterans' lives and their animals' lives. You are the Thank you, Tom. James. Thank you. I so appreciate you. And let me just tell you, yes, I, I just got a, a text note that Diego is a treasure. He is indeed, and we love Diego. Yeah, I just got that note, Diego. Thought I'd pass it along. Um, and on Pearl Hall anniversary, this gentleman, Tom, from Staten Island, is making a point, ladies and gentlemen, that needs to be reiterated. I don't know how many of you will care. Under Barack Obama, we, under Barack Obama, we cut back our naval capabilities. Right now, the Chinese government has a blue water ocean that not only competes with us, some people believe that it is stronger than ours. We are behind now in submarines, and China is quickly developing their submarine capabilities. We are sleeping. We are doing exactly, this caller is so right, Tom. Right now, if we had to fight in the Atlantic and Pacific theater and maybe beyond with the Navy, we would be in trouble if we had to fight a multi-theater war with the Navy. And it's not just with the Navy. There's a story I have in my uh, voluminous stacks of things today about the uh, Pentagon bill, the defense bill, now with trying to beg back in people that they kicked out because of COVID. They wouldn't take the, this, this mandatory, unconstitutional Mandatory vaccine. I believe it's unconstitutional. That's an opinion. We have done a number on our military. And December 7th is as good a day to remember it as any other day. This is serious business. And the Navy is suffering and has suffered since the time of Obama. Donald Trump tried to bring it back. Now you have Biden in. It's, it's, it is, it's beyond belief. What we are allowing to happen while we look and stand on the sidelines. Greg in New Jersey, quickly, time moving out. Was very quickly. What's up, Greg? Uh, hi, Mr. Golden. I just wanted to comment on this law that allows 
convicted felons in prison to vote. It's such a ridiculous thing. It's a slimy thing to do. They're going to vote. These people are in survival mode. They're going to vote for anybody that gives them any kind of free anything. I can see the Democrats coming up with a little uh, bill somewhere down the line that gives everybody that exits a prison like a voucher for food, a voucher for living, a voucher for this, a free cell phone, you know, a couple of bucks in their pocket. And, you know, it's just such a slimy way to get yourself into po- a, a political position. Uh, giving That's people, you know, the Democrat Party, the proud party of America's felons, murderers, rapists, and criminals. The Democrat Party, proud to support the murderers, the rapists, the criminals. Please let them vote, says the progressive Ayanna. And then she says, and it helps black and brown people. Like, black and brown people are the only. If some white Republican had said that, they'd all be screaming bloody murder. Oh, how dare you stereotype just the criminals as being black and brown. But if a member of the squad says it, why, okay. It'll help the the black and the brown people because they've been disenfranchised and they're criminals and they're convicted felons and they can't vote. So we Democrats, we are the party of the felon and we want them to vote. It is a disgrace. Got to take a break. When we get back, Andrew Giuliani, Andrew and I are going to talk Trump and what's going on with him legally. So keep it right here. You don't want to miss these segments. And if you're on hold, stay on hold. After Andrew and Lou Dobbs, we'll go back. We'll grab as many calls as we can. Uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer take us in. Greg Lake, who was both the front man in King Crimson and Emerson Lake and Palmer, died uh, this day in 2016, age 69. i tell you what, Emerson Lake and Palmer, whoo, you talk about music, musicians, musicians. I got another note today. I shouldn't be talking with my very white voice today. James Golden with you here on WABC. Coming back with Andrew Giuliani. Keep yourself there. You cheap sexy thing. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hour with Bo Snerdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdly. Rush. Now here's Bo Snerdly. 2015, on this day, David Bowie made his last public appearance. He attended the opening night of the Lazarus production at the New York City Theater Workshop in Manhattan. David Bowie, his last public appearance this date in 2015. Time to check in with Andrew Giuliani. Uh, Andrew, you're going to get some of those. Uh, Andrew, have you put in your request to get those naturally nude pajamas for Christmas? <laughs> you know, it caught my attention while I was waiting on the break right there. I have, I have to tell you. I'm definitely staying tuned if that's the next commercial coming on the other side of this year, James. No doubt about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, Andrew, there's a lot of Trump legal news uh, today, and I'm glad you're with me so that we can go through some of this. Um, I'm glad every Thursday when you're with me. Yeah, I just love the conversation. Now, this one is the New York 
uh, Letitia James persecution. And um, Donald Trump is is calling this a weaponization of justice. There was a ruling uh, from the appellate courts. Tell us about what's going on with this, Andrew. Yeah, so the appellate courts basically have said that they can't strip the property from Trump until this trial is actually complete. Um, So it's a temporary win for Trump. I don't know if it's going to be one that's a long-term win, considering just how uh, obviously biased this judge is. But you have to feel that with how biased the judge has actually been, uh, first off, not allowing a jury trial, him being the actual person who's making the decision. I mean, even I think one of the most egregious and obvious things was when Trump testified a few weeks back, and he said to Trump, I'm not here to listen to you. Well, actually, yeah, Judge, as Judge, you are here to listen to the defendant when he's testifying for himself. And certainly as the jury, you better be listening to the defendant as he is defending himself. That's ultimately what our separation of powers, and that's what a defendant's due process right actually means. But today, I think, was was really amazing because There was an expert for the defense who came out, and he's an accounting professor at NYU. And he said that in reviewing all of the documents that he has about Trump's accounting procedures, that he sees absolutely no fraud in this, and it's kind of typical business practices. Now, think about this, James. Are you more popular at NYU if you say something that's pro-Trump or pro-Israel these days? That's what this guy ended up doing. He said something that I wouldn't even call pro-Trump. It's the truth, but it's something that should benefit the Trump team in this case, certainly as it goes to appeal. I don't think you or I or anybody who's actually watching this case think that this judge is anything but as biased of a political actor as you could find in the judicial system. And because of that, I think it's pre-judged. So I think everything that Trump is presenting here, it's going to have to be uh, appealed. Yeah, and that's my that was my belief on this from day one. Okay, we know what the verdict is before. We knew what the verdict was the day they announced they were going to do it. We knew that Letitia, Letitia James was going to find a way to bring him into court because that's what she said. She was going to look for some dirt on Trump and go after him and his family. She said that during the campaign. This thing should have never seen the inside of a courtroom. It is going to have to be appealed. This misuse of the judicial system, this political uh, attack, this political persecution using the judicial, and I hope that there's some accountability, not only for this judge, but for Letitia James when this thing finally, when they come up with their kangaroo court verdict, and then afterwards when this thing actually gets to a real court and, and, and we can see the, what everyone sees that this thing has been biased from the very beginning. Now, there are other instances. Thank you. There are other instances here. There's a big story today in the uh, the old gray lady, Trump on trial, the looming and legal legal, uh, political uh, collision. And we are headed in for this. We are moving very quickly um, into election year. And the impact that this will have on these trials, especially this Jack Smith farce of a trial. What what what's your take on what that legal and political collision is going to look like in the coming year for Donald Trump. It's going to be a complete mess. How do you separate any of this from politics? You know, we always used to say in in the White House, 
that you always want to make sure that the Office of Political Affairs knows what's going on with the day-to-day because everything with the White House is inherently political. Whatever you do, if the president goes and uses the bathroom, you could argue that that's potentially political if it's at an event. So can you imagine if you're running for the White House as the former president and it's your opponent's Justice Department that's actually going and prosecuting, or as you said, persecuting you, that this would not be political? It's tough to deem this any other way. And so this calendar, once you start getting to the day before Super Tuesday, which is when the D.C. case, the Chutkin D.C. case will end up coming. I mean, it's as political as it absolutely gets. The question that I have with all this, though, James, analyzing this from a political perspective, uh, is this actually going to continue to help Trump the way that it has when you see his opponent continually trying to put him on trial for um, what I would say is uh, is as politically a motivated um, a prosecutions as you could potentially see. I think it's going to continue to help him. Although I will say, if somehow he does end up, let's say, being convicted and they arrest him before election day, it's tough to imagine that he can go and campaign as as an arrested potential felon, which is what they were trying to make Trump. It's it's wild when you actually think about this. And you could just put the fact that they're only Democrats that are actually prosecuting them like this. They're some of the most radical people. If you look at the people that the judge in New York is in bed with and just what the attorney general in New York said, getting elected. It's it's wild. Let me ask you another question here. Part of what's going on with the January 6th stuff is there's no doubt that Donald Trump was president. And as president, he had immunity. How I didn't understand this ruling that basically strips immunity away from Donald Trump for actions that he took when he was president, when it's a matter of black letter law that the president has immunity. That uh, Do you expect that one? I mean, I know you're not a lawyer. I'm not asking you just uh, your opinion on that. What do, you, what do you think is going to happen with that? Have we heard the end of that ruling? Uh, I think that the Trump uh, camp is going to is appealing that as well. I think ultimately, and, and again, it's uh, I, I wish I could tell you I knew where this was going in the appeals court. I don't know. But if you have a, an unbiased judge that looks at this, court of appeals that looks at this, panel that looks at this, then I think they'll see it for what it is, which is, uh, again, another political ruling. And I know I know you and I and, and any other but anybody else who talks about this, we may sound like broken records, but it really is true. And it bears repeating every single time that we talk about these cases that these are driven by politics. There is no precedence with this. And when you look at just the evidence, I mean, you can just go and look at the New York case. And you can look at the fact that Mar-a-Lago is valued at 18 or $19 million in that case. And you can just go right across the street from Mar-a-Lago and look, up, look at a property. You could do this, by the way, on Zillow or on your, on your computer right now, if you want, while I'm talking to you. And you can look and you can see that a property that's 120th the size is up for 40 or $50 million. And it's very clear that the president was not doing anything but the truth when he valued that property at a half a billion dollars. And so you can blatantly see exactly what, sadly, these judges and these attorney generals uh, and these district attorneys are doing. And again, the fact that they are all Democrats doing this when they're serving, in many cases, a Democratic president, some are elected, but certainly the judges, many have been appointed by Democratic presidents as well. You could just see this completely political. All right. Now, uh, I must turn the, uh, the, the page for one moment. 
we're, to, we're talking Trump, but let's talk about Joe Biden for a moment. The House has unveiled the some information from the alias emails of Joe Biden, emails that he wrote under another alias while he was the vice president of the United States traveling around in Air Force Two. Joe Biden has repeatedly told the American public that he had nothing at all to do with his son Hunter's business dealings. He didn't know. I don't know anything about them. No, I never talked to Hunter about any of his business. I never talked to his associates about his business. I don't know what he was doing with business. We learn from the emails, his emails. And there has been so far no dispute that these are his emails written through an alias, using an alias account. In these emails, he is discussing business with Hunter Biden's business associates. That much is plain. What does all of this do? Now, the Republican Party has, in the House has said, okay, we're going to go ahead with this impeachment inquiry. It seems to me, Andrew, that the walls are closing in here. But even yeah. these Democrats, these hardcore Democrats, they kept repeating their mantra. Oh, there's no evidence. There's no evidence. There's no. There is plenty of evidence right now that something was going on, that Joe Biden knew about his son's business affairs. He was engaged in the business affairs and that he has stood before the American people repeatedly and lied about his involvement. Yeah. How about just the fact, too? that in his brother's bank account that ended up getting uh, a $200,000 payment from one of the healthcare subsidiaries that Biden was representing, that same day they ended up paying Joe Biden $200,000, by the way, from a personal account, not a business account. How about one of the business accounts linked to Hunter Biden actually getting a payment from China and that day sending that, some of that payment over to Joe Biden? This is as clear as possible. And you know what, too? I mean, He's not very smart in the sense that uh, when he's looking at his emails, I think he's using his middle name, right? I think it's like Robinette, basically, at Gmail or something like that. If you're going to come up with an alias, at least come up with, like, Enrico Palazzo or something like that, something from pop culture that's not going to connect you to that thing. I mean, what a, what a dummy. But, uh, look, anybody who looks at this with unbiased eyes sees that this guy has completely sold out, and I think it's just a matter of – putting it all together, presenting it to the American people so they could see the truth. And look, the Biden camp will say, well, this is election interference. This is terrible that the Republican House is doing this. They shouldn't be doing this. They're getting in the way of an election. No, what they're doing is they're presenting the truth to the American people. And then the American people, because, look, we know he's not going to be removed from the Senate. Ultimately, if this impeachment comes forward, the Senate's not going to end up getting the two thirds. They probably won't even get to 50 percent of the senators. But the American people deserve to know if Joe Biden did, in fact, sell out the United States of America as vice president. And now is the president of the United States, is our current president of the United States selling out our country for personal gain? Us, the American people, as voters, we deserve to know those answers before Election Day next year. Andrew, thank you as always, my friend. Brilliant analysis. And we'll look forward to hearing from you next week, next Thursday, Andrew. Thank you so much. Thanks, James. Not as forward as you're going to look to those nude pajamas, though, I'll tell you. But I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing you next week. <laughs> oh, birthday today. 
The late Harry Chapin, born in 1942, U.S. singer-songwriter. This was his big hit, one of his big hits. Cats in the Cradle. I remember so well that day, July 16, 1981, when Harry Chapin was killed on a, in a car accident on the Long Island Expressway. Yeah, it was on the LIE. Time for us to check in with Lou Dobbs, ladies and gentlemen. Catch up with today's business report. Your calls after that, so stay with us. Rush. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 1967, Otis Redding goes into a recording studio. And this is what he records. Song is his biggest hit. He never knew. Three days later, after he recorded this song, Otis was killed in a plane crash. Along with members of the Barcades. Otis wrote the first verse of this song on a houseboat at Waldo Point in Sausalito, California. He had just got through performing at the Monterey Pop Festival, and that album is slamming. Now, what I didn't know until today, what I didn't know until today, was that Otis Redding's whistling at the end of the song, he was just fooling around. He had every intention of coming back to the studio and add words at the end. He didn't have the song finished, so he whistled out the last part of it. And, of course, he never made it back in the studio. Wow. That's so sad. It's so beautiful. By the way, I think Carlos has a question. What's your question, Carlos? Can we have some more Barry White Saturday morning? Carlos, we can always have Barry White. We can have Barry White every day. We can have Barry White first. We can have Barry White last. We can have Barry White all the time. It's ecstasy when Barry White is on, and I'm all with the Barry. Thank you. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, presents Rapid Phones. Let's go to Viviana in Brooklyn. Viviana, how are you? Right to your point. How are you doing? Uh, very good. Um, I wanted to make two, if, if I can. Go ahead. In terms of President, in, in terms of President Trump's uh, prosecution, Biden, the administration, and Soros-backed DAs are operating like banana republic political saying we have to defeat our enemy no matter if it's true or not. Second, we're New Yorkers and the MTA board yesterday said that they wanted to um, go ahead. Isn't that like the Fox saying that I want to um, uh, go into the, the chicken coop? It's a conflict of interest. Two things. What if they push back monumentally? We New Yorkers do standing room only in the hearings and then pressure the borough president, Mark Levine, with calls and even protests at his office and saying, 
we don't want our truckers um, that deliver our goods to be um, penalized. We don't want to pay more for our stuff. And you start at fifteen dollars, but you're going to go up at your own whim. We don't this congestion want it. pricing not- is going to ruin. It is, and you have it right, Viviana. It is a hideous scheme, and it will cause the price of everything to go up. And these people could care less. They just want to inflict more misery on the people of New York. You are so accurate, so dead on right. Thank you, Viviana. Robert in Queens, you're up next. Quickly. Hi, Bo. A quick comparison about double standards. And Anthony Scaramucci, about five years ago, he was working in the White House as a, a Trump advisor. Um, he made an offhanded comment in a, a meeting about, God, I want to kill someone. And the media blew it completely out of proportion, talked about him as like a deranged MAGA Republican threatening to assassinate political opponents. If Democrats can do that and get away with it, and, and Republicans can't. It's just an incredible double standard. That's exactly right. Like Dan Goldman, who just weeks ago called for Donald Trump's assassination. Thank you. Mike, too, in Highland. Mike, what's on your mind? Hey, Bo, how you doing? Just a quick comment on, on President Trump. I do think the polls are getting it pretty wrong here. I'm a 67-year-old conservative Republican. I can't vote for him again. I, I, I thought he did a great job in his presidency. I think when he lost Georgia, he lost me. He lost a lot of, a lot of my uh, friends. We just can't do it. It's time to move forward. It's time for uh, President Trump to put himself really aside and get behind someone, whoever that someone is. I happen to be a Nikki Haley fan, but I can't go for Trump, and I think the polls are getting it all wrong. Too much noise on the Okay. Table. We'll have to see how that plays out, Mike. As always, it's great hearing from you. Agree or, or disagree. We all have our opinions, and all are welcome yep. here. Appreciate it. Thank you. My friends, it is time for us to take our leave. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your family, and your loved ones. Love and gratitude, sincere gratitude and love for your being here with me and allowing me to be with you. God willing, we'll be back tomorrow for Friday's edition of Bo Snerly's Rush Hour. Until then. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.